Dan Tortora with DT and Murphy. Excited to have Murph on the broadcast here with me in just a moment. And as Murph joins us, we will also uh, have the chance later on today to jump into the Saxon Spotlight, which we always do on Mondays at 10.30 a.m. Eastern Time. I should say Saxon Time every first and third Monday at 10.30 a.m. Eastern Time. We bring you the Saxons in our conversations with the president, President Mark Zupan, and Presidential Perspective. And every second and fourth Monday, like today, we bring you the Saxon Spotlight. And today we're going to be featuring Fran Valenzuela of the Alfred University Saxons men's basketball team, who hails from the Dominican Republic. So a lot of great stuff coming up here. Where sports meets life on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora. Murph and I are going to be covering a bunch of different topics. The Major League Baseball wild card race, which continues to heat up and get really exciting, especially in the National League. And we will also get into the NFL Week 2, his Jets, my Jaguars, and the Deion Sanders factor before we jump in our number two to our conversation live with Fran Valenzuela. So with that being said, here on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora. Welcome to the show, and I uh, hope you're all having a great day, like I said. So, Murph, welcome back. Well, I muted my mic. It's all good. <laughs> uh, good to, yeah. Uh, good to be back. Um, you know, nice to be back home. Obviously, it was a great time being up there with you last week, and um, we'll definitely have to do that again. But I will say this, it was nice to – you know, sit sit back and relax and watch the football yesterday. Um, you know, we're going to get into it, so we'll uh, we'll talk about that. But just an overall really nice weekend. Yeah. I sat outside with my mom on on Saturday night, put the fire pit, had a couple adult beverages. So that was nice. And um, hung out on Sunday and going to play golf with my dad later today. Yeah, you're having like a 4th of July type of Monday. <laughs> so <laughs> I like it. Yeah. And it was, I mean, it was definitely great having you up here and, you know, brought it, it's, it, 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 I don't even want to say it brought back memories because really there's just, there's that connection that you and I have and we could kind of just pick up where we left off type of thing. And you came up to visit and then it's like, oh, Murph's here. You know, Murph lives here. He's here all the time. And it just becomes like a normal, Back and forth is is how it feels. So we had a good time. I had a very successful prank, and we got to air it to the world. So uh, Operation Where's Wilson was an astounding success. I want to thank GG Cards and Breaks and uh, give a shout out to Anthony and Josh for their help. And you know, Murph, I'm I'm happy that uh, I'm happy that I got to prank you the way that I wanted to. <laughs> oh boy that was fun i to be honest i <clears throat> when i saw the video come together i'm like Ooh, that, that that's pretty funny yeah i hope everyone that out there that got to see it uh, enjoyed it yeah we definitely had some fun in putting this together and if you have not seen it go to any one of our social medias uh facebook at wake up call dt x at call dt and instagram at wake up call underscore dt it's also on our shorts and in its full version on YouTube. So you can see two different versions on youtube.com backslash wake up call DT as I prank Murph with Zach Wilson cards all over the place. And we didn't even get to show you some of the best ones. So make sure you stay tuned because maybe I have something up my sleeve for later. 
So that's that's been uh, oh, it's <laughs> it's been <laughs> it's, oh god no more yeah there's more but, but for the record yeah all of these all of these are Zach Wilsons and all of these or oh, not that one all of these are Zach Wilsons and all of these came from DT and made their way home all of them into top loaders now by the way yeah <laughs> of course they got to be in top loaders now because you don't know what's going to happen so. Murph, let's Especially start. Now that we, he looks like he's, he might, you know, not be too bad. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's the thing. You never know what's going to happen. And it's like you left the house uh, last Monday, so a week ago today, and <clears throat> a little less than a week ago because you left later on. And we were, you know, talking about the game. You wanted to get home for the game. I literally turned the game on, saw Aaron Rodgers run out with the flag, saw him dap up. Sauce Gardner, I went to the bathroom and I'm stand I'm in the bathroom and I hear Zach Wilson and I went, Why are they saying his name right now? That's gotta be not good. And and it wasn't. And it's just such a crazy thing. However, that uh, the surgery that Aaron Rodgers underwent, he's hoping that if the team can somehow make it to the playoffs, he could try to return at the end of the season. That would be interesting. I don't know how realistic that is. Yeah. I mean, you got to give, you got to give the fans hope, you know, that's, that's kind of the thing is people want, people want hope. And Mm -hmm. I feel like that's, that's, you know, you try to do whatever you can to say, Hey, there's a chance that he can get back. I think that that just gives people something to think about and something to hope for and something to lean on. So you know, try to bring that positive energy. We're going to get to the Jets today, though, inside of DT and Murphy on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora. First and foremost, we're going to start the week off with the Major League Baseball playoff hunt, though. And I uh, was watching this courtesy of Miss Mary T down here because uh, football was on on the main TV. So MT grabbed her new iPad, which has got a massive screen, and uh, she put on the Diamondbacks game for me so that I could. Uh, coming off of my coverage of the Jaguars, Jaguars going up against the Chiefs down in Jacksonville, starting off the uh, home season. So the home opener yesterday was down here. My 13th year covering the Jaguars. We like to call it on the prowl on Wake Up Call. And after that, I saw that the Diamondbacks were going to be on TV and the Diamondbacks are almost never on television. So they had uh, ESPN Sunday Night Baseball. So MT turned it on for me, and we were up three to two. And in the time I was watching, they made it six to two. And now the Diamondbacks are not just in the wild card if it were to start today. The Diamondbacks are in second. So they're fighting to get to third. Sometimes they're just out of it. Then they get back in. Then they were second. Then they were out. Then they were third. And now the Diamondbacks are in second place. So if it started today, the D backs would be in in the wild card. And I'd love to hear your thoughts, Murph. They've had a nice last week or two. I mean, they're six and four in their last 10 games. They've won three in a row. They just, uh, you know, came off a really good series against the Cubs. They swept the Cubs. Uh, That was huge for them, but three of their four losses, New York Mets. Yeah, I know. I was going to seem like right now they are one of those teams that just will not go away. Yeah. I wanted to text you and be like, yo, Murph, tell your Mets to ease up here. They haven't, they, they've like, <laughs> they've literally decided that the, you know, it's like, okay, you know, our season, we got rid of our pitching. We did this, we did that, you know, let's, let's finish, you know, 
reputable here. But I was like, really? You got to beat the Diamondbacks right now in this moment? So, you know. Well, but she- realistically, other than losing three out of four to the Mets, they have taken, what is this? Six out of the six out of seven against the Cubs. Yeah, that was massive for their wild card chances. They were able to just slide right up there, take six out of seven from the Cubs, and now they're in position to make the playoffs. Yeah, I mean they've got the Giants or another team. If they can take, if they can split the series with the Giants at worst, then they go to New York for three against the Yankees. As we've seen, the Yankees are a relatively easy team to beat right now. Um, and then you go to Chicago to play the White Sox, and then you come home for the last series of the regular season against the Houston Astros. Now, at that point, I will have ex- I would have expected the Astros to have clinched probably the division. We'll see. Um if they have, I don't think they're going to have you know their foot on the gas because there's no chance that they have of getting uh, that number one seed, and the Twins aren't going to get the first round by, so they're basically just going to be sitting there. Yeah. So they might, they may not necessarily go hard that week. Um, so that might end up being a decent draw for them uh, in the in the last three games of, in the final three games of the regular season. Now, looking above them. Looking at the Philadelphia Phillies, the Phillies are kind of not playing great baseball up until the last couple days. Yeah, you know, they split the. They took two out of three from the Cardinals after losing three out of four from the Braves. Now, granted, it's the Braves. I'll give them a pass for that. Um, but then they play the Braves again starting tonight for three in Atlanta. That may not go well. Then they play the Mets, who they notoriously do not play well. So they've got four against the Mets, and then they've got three against the Pirates, and three more against the Mets to end the regular season. How awesome would it be for me as a Mets fan for the Mets to just destroy the Phillies in the next two weeks <laughs> and knock them out of the playoffs? Here's How the th- awesome would that be? Well, and, and here's the thing. You talk about the Diamondbacks beating the Cubs uh, six out of the last seven games. The Cubs were not just a team in front of the Diamondbacks as the Diamondbacks try to make postseason. The Cubs are were in the wild were in the wild card in that position and above the Diamondbacks. Hence why the Diamondbacks are not only in right now, if it were to happen today, but that they took second place. So I mean I tell people this the games that the Diamondbacks have had to play down the stretch here, they're not just like games to try and get in. They're games against teams that are playoff teams right now, could be playoff teams right now, fighting to be playoff teams right now. Some of them are locked in. Some of them are the top teams. Like when we look at the situation with the, you know, some of the games that they've played and some of the teams that they've they've had, you know, they're playing the Dodgers. And the Dodgers were in, you know, they're in good position of everything that they're doing. And they struggled against the Dodgers recently here. And that's one of the things that affected their seeding. But when you look at the games, I mean, they have to run the gamut. If they make the postseason, and hopefully it's not an if, it's a when, the Diamondbacks will have gone through, you know, some of the best of the best to get there. 
but they've been fighting against the teams that have been above them, right? They beat the Reds when the Reds were above them. They beat, you know, the Cubs now when the Cubs being above them. So they're not just winning these games. They're winning series and they're winning big time matchups against teams that are either ahead of them or right there on their heels. They're right behind them. They're right ahead of them. They're in second place in the wild card. So these these games are not only crucial for the Diamondbacks to get in, it's also, I mean, look at where they are. You can go from being out to being the second wild card team because of how they're playing the Cubs. So they're beating the right teams at the right time is really what I'm trying to say. Correct. And and the other thing, too, uh, to keep in mind is there's no more one-game playoffs anymore. So there's no more playoff to get into the playoffs. Yeah. So they could, in theory, end the Giants' season this week. The Giants are two games back of that last wild card spot, and they played it. They play Arizona for two. If the Diamondbacks take that series and win both of those games, there's a very high probability that the Giants' season is over. And I don't really expect the Giants to win those games because I don't think the Giants are a very good baseball team. The Giants seemingly year in and year out have old veterans that overperform every year, but they're not good. Their pitching staff's not great. Their lineup is terrible. The fact that they're still in it to this point is kind of, kind of amazing. Um, but looking a little bit further down, the Nationals, Red Sox, the Nationals, Cardinals, and Mets are probably going to be eliminated here in the next week or so. Uh, well, they will be eliminated in the next week or so. The Pirates and, and Padres as well. But there's six teams vying for three spots right now. And don't and don't count the, those Phillies into the playoffs right now. Because, like I said, they've got seven games against the Mets down the stretch. The Mets always play the Phillies well. And the Mets would love to play spoiler yeah. with their division rivals. Yeah. So, you know, realistically, Phillies' three-game lead over Arizona is not insurmountable. They could very easily come back down to the pack. And it could be a six-horse race again. But I will tell you this, the three teams I would absolutely love to see in the playoffs out of these six would be Arizona, Miami, and Cincinnati. I would love it if those three, those three teams made the playoffs. Well, not, it, in, in, not in any particular order, Yeah, but just those three. Well, you know, and I mean, Cincinnati, again, you know, the Jack, what, what we've seen here with Cincinnati – and Arizona is that Arizona got some crucial victories and Cincinnati was right there with them, either right above them or right below them. The Miami Marlins, it, it's been the same kind of, you know, dance back and forth that we have going on between these teams and their rights together. I love the fact that it's coming down to this, you know, in, in the that that these games matter. Right. Because we talk about one hundred and sixty two games and we talk about everything that's going on and these games actually matter for you know each of these teams when sometimes you talk about the season being too long and it just kind of drags on and all right we already know who's in we know who's out why are they even playing these games in baseball right now every single game counts and that to me is the excitement of all of this is that these games count absolutely they matter and the wild card standings have us in a position where we can actually uh, see some fun things happen down the stretch. Because, you know, you look at the American 
side in the American League, the Seattle Mariners and the Texas Rangers are fighting each other. The Yankees and the Red Sox are not all the way out, but the Yankees are six and a half and Boston's eight and a half. So, I mean, it's Seattle fighting with Texas. And on the other side of it right now, it's the Phillies. Realistically, they're only – there's only a game and a half separating those three teams. Well, yeah. I mean, and Toronto, Toronto's in right now. Toronto's uh, – so if you look at Tampa, Tampa in the wild card race is uh, plus nine in Toronto's – They clinched already. Yeah, Toronto's point five. Yeah, so Tampa's in. They're plus nine. Toronto's a half a game. Then the Rangers, then Seattle. So those last two spots are open. And then in the National League, as we were talking about, the Phillies are plus three and a half. They haven't clinched. The Diamondbacks are a half a game above the Cubs. The Cubs are tied with the Marlins. And behind that, the Cincinnati Reds are a half a game out. The Giants are two games out. The Padres are six games out. So, you know, and the crazy thing here are the Mets and the Yankees are about the same amount of games out. So as up and down the season's been and as frustrating as it's been, you know, these these teams haven't completely fallen off the map. We do have a bunch of teams that are eliminated. As of this point, the Angels, which we'll talk about, the White Sox, the Royals, and the Athletics. People talk about how the Athletics have the worst team in baseball, but the Kansas City Royals are trying to make that not true, as they have one less loss than the than the Oakland Athletics right now. The Oakland Athletics have 103 losses. The Royals have 102. And the only team eliminated on the other side for the National League, the Colorado Rockies, who have 93 losses this season. So we're getting down the stretch. We're getting into the heat of things. And back again, are we going to see three teams in the American League East and not the three teams that you would have maybe necessarily expected at the start of the season? I mean, Tampa and Toronto, yes, but Baltimore, people would probably say the Yankees. Once again, the American League East taking over the playoff push for another season. And on the other side, with this just constant movement, like I said, I mean, I've seen the Diamondbacks out. I've seen them third. I've seen them second. I've seen them third again. I've seen them out again. They're towing the line. But right now, because they play the Cubs at the time that they did, they're in second. And they could end this thing in first in the wild card. So, you know, as we're discussing all of this this morning, the only thing that's locked up and the only thing that we know is that Tampa's in the wild card. Correct. And, you know, realistically, I don't necessarily think that people didn't expect the Orioles to make the playoffs. I mean, I did. Yeah. Um, with how with how good that team was at the end of last year. And, you know, they were probably a little – and now, granted, they're a little ahead of schedule. They're probably about a year ahead of schedule, and I think anybody with anybody on that team would tell you that. But I think with that with that roster right now, the only thing they're missing is pitching. I don't know if they have the arms to get them through the postseason, because when you go and face the Astros, they got Verlander, yeah. they got Framber Valdez, they got Christian Javier, even though he's had a bit of a down year. When you go and play the Oh, even the Twins. I mean, Sonny Gray's having a Cy Young caliber year. Joe Ryan's been really good for them. Texas, well, their pitching staff's kind of falling off a little bit. But Seattle's another team that's got a good staff. Bryce Miller, Logan Gilbert. That that 
pitching staff has been pretty darn good. Um, I'm intrigued to see what happens there, but you know, they're going to most likely, I would think finish with the best record in the American league. They are in the driver's seat in the division. So I, I think they will eventually be the crown, the champions of the American league East Toronto. I would say was an, eh. I didn't necessarily think Toronto was going to, you know, make the playoffs, but you know, their roster has been pretty solid. I mean, yeah, Bo Bichette's had a good year. Vlad Guerrero Jr.'s had a little bit of a down year, but still pretty good in, in you know, in, in in the perspective. Um, you know, Matt Chapman was a pleasant surprise to them in the first half. He's kind of fallen off a little bit in the second half. Um, you know, but pitching staff-wise has been their savior. I mean, Chris Bassett's looked real good this year. That was a nice little signing for them in the offseason. 370 ADRA, striking out about eight hitters per nine. That's his info. That's not surprising. Um, Kevin Gosman's been solid this year. Got roughed up his last couple of starts, but he's been pretty solid most of the year. Jose Barrios, or Jose Barrios, I think is how you say his name. I've been trying to figure out how to say that guy's name for half a <laughs> decade. I don't, if it's Barrios, Barrios, I don't know what the heck it is. Yeah. Um, and then you say Kikuchi has been pretty solid for them too. All guys with under with an under four ERA, and you would not have thought that with Alec Manoa pitching as poorly as he has, that they would still be in the playoff race. Alec Manoa has been terrible, and the fact that he hasn't even reported to AAA speaks to the person that he is. He just doesn't care anymore. Clearly, if you're not trying to get yourself better to get back to the big leagues. You're just a scumbag of a human being. Now, I don't know him personally, obviously, but that sounds pretty that sounds pretty scummy to me what he's what he's doing to that organization right now. He's pitched as poorly as he has and he's being a baby about it. So, you know, get your butt to the AAA, get better, and then maybe you can get back to the big leagues. Yeah, you know, I mean, like you said, I mean there's a lot of different things that that you brought up here and I mean, there's so many people that work for the opportunity to get in, right, to Major League Baseball, and it's so difficult to get in, and everything you have to go through, and every level you have to go through, you know, getting, once you get drafted, it still kind of feels like, you know, all right, now I got to make it, maybe, you know, I got drafted, but maybe it's going to take me three years, maybe it's going to take me five years, maybe it's going to take me three months. number one picks that have never made it. Yeah, never made it to the to Major League Baseball, and that's and that's Mark, the Mark Appel is the one in recent memory that everybody knows. You know, Matt Bush forever until he made the, made his debut as a reliever ten years after he was drafted. Yeah, so I mean, There's it's guys that have been drafted number one that have never made it to the major leagues, and and that's that's the thing about it is that you Randy know Aiken's another one. In any other sport, you have to make it, or in, in any other sport, you get drafted high, you're in. You know, you're Kwame Brown or Tim Duncan, you're, you're playing. You're the number one pick. If if you're, you know, in a in a situation in the NFL, right, and you're Ryan Leaf and Peyton Manning, doesn't matter. I mean, you guys are playing. You're going to get an opportunity. You were drafted one and two, you know, Peyton and Ryan, and, and you're going to be out there. So it's baseball's such a, an interesting situation because you could be the 350th pick and spend 10 years in major league baseball, or you could be the third overall pick and never make it. So when you're discussing about, you know, guys getting back and guys, you know, 
doing what they need to do to go through the process. Yeah, some guys don't like going through the minors. How dare you put me there? I'm better than that. But the reality is, you know, you have to remember where you came from. And if you don't know where you came from, then you don't know where you're going. And I think a lot of people, you know, kind of live this world of, I got this title now, and this is who I am now. So this is what I'm going to do to people now because I can, right? Because I could push my weight around a little bit. What do they say? The higher you rise up the chain in a job, the less you work. And that's the difference for me. You know, I'm president and CEO of my company. I work more today than I've worked yesterday and 10 years before that. And when I did that, I was doing 15 things. So I don't believe in working less as you grow. That's that's not how I look at it. Maybe smarter rather than, you know, uh, killing yourself, you know, just working smarter. But when you're in a situation where you have to go and you have to live in this process of Major League Baseball, if you do things the right way, you're not going to be there long. And I think, you know, it's not the team's fault if you get the if you get hurt. It's not the team's fault if you struggle. You know, I mean, in most cases, right, especially if you're a pitcher on the mound, if you're a pitcher on the mound and you're not pitching well, then I mean, it's what's happening with you. It could be your communication with your catcher, but oftentimes, I mean, it's on you. So I, I think, you know, you, you got to live through this process. You got to appreciate the process. You have to remember where you came from. And if you want to get back to the majors, then you have to do what you're supposed to do to get there. And and I think that, you know, sometimes, unfortunately, and, and I, you know, had to deal with this over the weekend, some people got name badges and it makes them think that they're somebody. And I think that in the situation with what you're talking about, just because you made it doesn't mean it can't be taken away. And and I think the people that really succeed in life are the people that got somewhere, they know how they got there, and they fight to not just be there, but to get past there. I think that's, that's a big part of it. And I, I think we lose some of that when when people get in that comfortability of like i deserve to be here this is my spot you can't take it major league baseball is constantly moving and transitioning and figuring things out the diamondbacks have had many different iterations and this one is working you know but they thought the other ones would work they thought bringing in expensive aces were going to work and it didn't work so you know i, I think you got to appreciate the process and respect it and once you kind of forget where you came from i, I think I think that's where egos come in, and I think that's where uh, problems come in. You're right. I mean, with with Manoa, it's got to be ego because it just seems like he's that type of guy. But you know, oh. last season, if I if I remember correctly, I believe he was the runner up for the Cy Young Award. So he's probably sniffing around like, oh, like is you know, like I'm I'm him, and I'm going to be dominant. Yeah. And he comes out and throws a bunch of meatballs, gives up a lot of home runs, and walks the ballpark. You know that's on you, buddy. When you're not throwing strikes, when you're throwing, when you're serving up meatballs down the middle, that's on you. I don't care what reasoning, quote unquote, you might have, but it means you suck. It means you need to go back to the minor leagues and figure things out. We could very well be looking at another, you know, Matt Harvey. And Mets fans know and love Matt Harvey. You know, he 
came up in 2012 and was really good. And in 2013, he was absolutely electric. You know, needed Tommy John surgery at the end of the season in September. Was out for all of 2014. Comes back in 2015. Say the Dark Knight Rises. Comes back. He's great. Yeah. Absolutely great. Helps pitch the team to the World Series. Pitches un- unbelievable in Game 5. You know, we all know what happened after that. But then the thoracic outlet syndrome. Then he's injured and <clears throat> now he can't throw a strike. And he lost his velocity. Now, it, it's a slightly different version to the story because Matt Harvey was due to injury. But Alec Manoa is just due to sheer terribleness, I think is a good word for it. Mm. Because as far as we know, he's not hurt. He didn't lose any velocity. He's just throwing meatballs and he can't throw strikes anymore. And he's trying to blame the pitch clock for that. And, you know, I kind of understand the people that say, oh, some guys got worse this year because the pitch clock because they had to rush. Yeah. You know, in some cases, sure. But you adjust. It's not that hard to adjust. When I was a pitcher, I always worked fast. So for me, I wouldn't, the pitch clock wouldn't have affected me. So, you know, I can't stand that guy. I, I'm sick of hearing about him. I'm sick of hearing that he, you know, thinks who, thinks who the heck he is and that he's going to be all like this guy that's, you know, like he's him or whatever. Like, dude, you stink. That's the end of it. Go to the minor leagues, figure it out, come back better than ever. If he's not willing to do that, then he'll never be a good pitcher in Major League Baseball again. And he'll be, you know, that guy like, hey, you, you remember that guy, uh, Alec Manoa, that, you know, randomly came in second in the Cy Young and it was terrible for the rest of his career? Oh, yeah, 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 I remember that guy. Well, and, and that's, I mean, that's the thing, is that hopefully, hopefully, you know, he'll get better and hopefully he'll do the things that he needs to do. And, you know, they're, they're looking at, I mean, it's, it's, I'm looking at some of the stuff here right now about, you know, what they've said and, you know, they talk about a timeline of the meteoric rise and shocking fall of Alec and so on and so forth. So, you know, hopefully things get better and uh, hopefully Alec, you know, you get what you need, you do what you got to do and you get through it. You know, we all have moments and, and hopefully, you know, you can work through this moment and it'll make you even better because here on Wake Up Call, it's all about positivity. It's about turning that corner in the right direction and seeing some good things happen. So hopefully that'll happen for you. We're here on DT and Murphy speaking on the Major League Baseball playoff hunt. Bunch of teams that are alive and well. The Diamondbacks having another good series. They had some strong series here in recent history. The Texas Rangers, the Cincinnati Reds, the Chicago Cubs, really their, their only trip-ups have been the Dodgers series and their games against the Mets. So hopefully they can keep their push on. And uh, as a Diamondbacks fan, I'd love to see them in the second spot and not the third spot. So we'll see where they end up. But excited to see this this playoff push, push from all of these teams as everybody's fighting. Good to see the Marlins, too. You know, I got to see the Florida Marlins as they were coming up and, and becoming a franchise when I was growing up as a kid down here in Florida and spending a lot of time and getting to go to see the Manatees, their farm team and all of that. So, you know, it's, it's, it's been exciting to see this, uh, this playoff push and, and to see these teams that, 
are down in Florida, you know, if they could all make it together, all that I asked the Marlins to do is keep a little space for those Diamondbacks. So we'll take a step aside for a fast break here on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora. We'll come back with Jaguars and Jets talk, Murph's Jets, my Jaguars, and we'll also discuss Neon Dion. And if you like what's been going on, that man was on 60 Minutes last night. Did y'all watch it? We'll talk about some stuff right after this. Carvel DeWitt, it's what happy tastes like. Do you know why? Because we make ice cream. Creamy, rich, flavorful ice cream. Not yogurt or iced milk like some of our competitors. Ice cream. Fresh, by hand, daily. For the calorie conscious, we have something new for you. Our new Carvelite. Same great flavor, creaminess, and texture of our regular ice cream with only 35 calories an ounce. So whether you want an ice cream cake, flying saucer, dasher, Carvelanche, hard or soft ice cream, we will satisfy your craving with our fresh, handmade, regular, or new Carvelite ice cream. Carvel DeWitt. It's what happy tastes like. The Wildcat Sports Pub in Camillus, New York, is located on 3680 Milton Avenue in the Home Depot Plaza. It is your family-friendly sports bar and restaurant. Folks, some sports bars aren't family-friendly. Some family-friendly restaurants are not sports bars. The Wildcat Sports Pub in Camillus, New York, is proud to be both. It is that marriage that you've been looking for for years. The Wildcat Sports Pub is your home base for your sports bar and restaurant needs, games for the kids, indoor and outdoor activities, and enough things on the menu to come back every single week and get to try something new. They're open Sundays from noon to 8 p.m., Monday through Wednesday, 11 a.m. to 11 p.m., and Thursday through Saturday from 11 a.m. to midnight. For reservations and party information, call 315 315- 487-2222 for the Wildcat family-friendly sports pub and restaurant. GG Cards and Breaks, your premier sports card shop and my choice every time I go out to get my sports cards on 639 Delmar Place in Syracuse, New York, right off of Teal Avenue. They have your singles, your slabs, your packs, as well as your boxes. They have those tins that you love that they sold out of, and you can go and get some more today. They have all different quarterbacks on there. There's some Trevor Lawrence ones while supplies last as well. Make sure you head out to GG Cards and Breaks. You've all been incredible. We've worked with them for the last couple months. We've been able to do a ton of box breaks and air a bunch of videos and do a lot of promotion for GG Cards and Breaks, and you've responded by at one point, buying out their entire row of football boxes, including all of the tins after the Kenny Pickett video. I cannot thank you enough for that. So go out and continue to get your stuff today at GG Cards and Breaks. Open seven days a week, Monday through Saturday, 10 a.m. to 6 p.m., Sundays from 10 to 5. Amazing people run by Josh and Anthony truly care about you. They remember the teams that, that you like. They remember you, the players that you're looking for. It's just a different feel, and it's it's very personal. And to me, it's like coming home. That's why I love to go to GG Cards and Breaks. I believe last week I spent four out of seven days there. Is I, I, I probably five, but let's just say four out of seven days that I was there. So make sure you head over to GG Cards and Breaks today to really start your hobby or to continue it. And we appreciate everybody that has. So with that being said, here. On Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora inside of DT and Murphy. I'm on the road as I uh, finished my coverage yesterday of the Jacksonville Jaguars game and had some fun with that. And uh, 
and we got PJ, sir. I'm here as a cameo. <laughs> PJ's in the building, so you want to see Brendan? You want you want to take a seat? Give oh, PJ. Yeah. We're gonna PJ a seat here. I can do that. All right. Oh my goodness. There's Brendan. Oh, Brendan, what's Brandon. up? Nice to finally meet you. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah, I'm a strange old man. <laughs> no, he's not. So why don't you? We were talking baseball. Okay. And we're also talking the NFL. So I got my two baseball guys on the show at the same time. This is a nice cameo for PJ and Brendan in this PJ takeover on a Monday. So <laughs> what do you want to talk about with Brendan since you guys both uh, bring the baseball to the show? Well, you know, things are shaking down here in the next week or so. We'll know who's going to be eligible to play it in a postseason. I don't see too many surprises. Do you, Brendan? Not really. I mean, the only one I can maybe see is Miami. Um, that would Miami and Cincinnati would be the two that would be, you know, big surprises compared to where they were at the beginning of the season, especially with the Reds being a little ahead of schedule with all the young kids coming up with, uh, you know, Matt McClain playing well, Ellie De La Cruz hitting the cover off the ball. He's slowed down a lot lately, but still really fun to watch. And I think both of those teams would be fun to see in the play in the postseason. I like Cincinnati a little bit better than Miami. I think Cincinnati's got. Some really super youth coming up with that Dela Cruz kid. He's awesome. My goodness, he he made he made a play from short left field and threw it on a rope to first base to get a guy. You don't see too many of those, you know. But he's he's a big, tall, rangy guy. He's got a lot of motion, uh, big arm, big bat, a lot of speed. You know, someone like him, if he's in a three a three game set or three game series, five game series, he can make the difference. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, he's a, he's the type of hitter that you do not want to face. I mean, like we said, right now he's on a little bit of a cold spell right now, and he's, uh, you know, struggling a bit. But he's been – he was tearing the cover off the ball when he first came up. And the only difference is now the pitchers have adjusted to him. So we'll know if he's truly as good as he is to see if by seeing if he makes the adjustments to the adjustments. And if he does that – that's the gets a, a, a potential future superstar in the making. Yeah, he still acts like a punk out there sometimes, though. But he's only a kid. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's well. To be honest, that's a lot of the guys from uh, from the Spanish speaking countries. That's just kind of the way that they play. You know, you see a lot of guys coming over like that with like the swagger and you know the the chains and all and all that stuff. So, you know, I, I think it's just the part of the culture down there. But it's definitely fun to watch. Yeah. Yeah, who do you like for the uh, the MVP of the American League now that uh, Otani's out of the picture? You still it's think still, he's eligible? It's still Otani, 100%. I like I mean, Corey Seager. The, yeah, the only other one you could maybe put up there is Corey Seager. Now I think there's an argument with you know having Otani miss the last three weeks of the season and Seager having missed a big chunk in the middle there. But Seager's hitting like 340. 30 bombs and close to 100 RBIs in like, and it's going to be 120 games. Yeah. And yeah. So and he's there. If there's anyone that can win that award other than Otani, it's Seager. Yeah. That's who I'm looking for. I just, I have a problem with, uh, I don't have a problem with Otani because I think he's a, a generational talent, but I, I have a problem with him not being eligible for the, the last third of the season. And, you know, when you play this game, you got to play for 162 games. You can't be messing around playing 135 or 140. So I base my my uh, findings on that. Uh, I think probably Corey Seager will probably, in my opinion, will probably have a better chance to win it this year 
than Otani, even though, you know, there's a, some bleeding hearts out there to want to give it to him uh, because he's, uh, again, such a generational talent. Um, curious to see how he's going to make out with his surgeries and see how his, his timeline is yeah. going to be for next year. And where he ends up, too. Well, listen, you and Daniel have fun. I'll check you later. <laughs> Thanks, PJ. <laughs> it, was it was great talking with you. All great right. Great to finally meet you. All righty. Thanks, PJ. Okay, bud. Papa Joe here, jumping in on a Monday, having some fun. My ba- I love that, that my baseball guys got to have a baseball conversation. It You know, wake-up call with Dan Tortora, and for the last 10 minutes, I got to take a little break. I jumped in the hot tub. I grabbed some wine. I listened. It was fun. So uh, let's, let's, uh, let's jump into the NFL here. But Murph, I mean, before we get there, did you have some fun getting a – finally chatted up with PJ? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, I will say this. The Corey, the Corey Seager pick is definitely a hot take. Yeah. Um, you know, but I don't think – I think that's the only other guy that's in the race. Yeah. But, you know, to his point, I mean, Seager missed a lot of time too. I mean, Seager was out a month and a half. So both of those guys missed time. And if you're going off of that, I think it's still got to be Otani. But Seager's definitely got a case. Yeah, I mean, we'll we'll see as it comes down the stretch. That was something that I was gonna, uh, you know, speak on here as well. Is you know what your thoughts were about uh, Shohei Otani now that we're in this position where he has been put on the bench and said, "Hey, you know what? I mean, this is the end of your season, but it's not just the end of his season. Is this the end of his time with the Angels? Is this the beginning of his recruitment by other left? teams?" You what? Uh? You see the way he left. Cleaned out his locker. Everything. Well, they yeah, they said that the, like there was like thought. there was nothing in the locker. So I mean, I think that that's got <laughs> that's got Angels fans kind of losing it. Yeah, yeah, he's done. And to be perfectly honest with you, I thought the injury could have kept him in in LA with the Angels. That ain't happening now. He is he is one hundred percent gone. I don't know if it's going to be the Dodgers. I don't know if it's going to be the Giants. I don't know if it's going to be the Mariners. Yeah. Heard rumblings about the Red Sox because apparently he would might he wouldn't mind playing with his former teammate Masataki Yoshida. Um, but if he comes to the East Coast, it's going to be the one of the New York teams. Would be my guess. Yeah. But I think he still stays out west. I think it's going to come down to the Mariners, Giants, and Dodgers. Well, I mean, we'll see. I think I think the New York teams are going to make uh, a push for him. I think the the Mets, some of the things that, you know, that telltale heart of the Mets of getting rid of pitching and all this money that they put into certain guys and letting them go. I mean, you look over the last couple of years with DeGrom and Scherzer and Verlander and saying, all right, you go, you go, you go. So, you know, having all of that and leaving that open and not having a, a dominant ace, that could help them. The lure of the Yankees and what the Yankees did with Babe Ruth and how Shohei's a better pitcher that's like a cool bookend. Look at what we did when we took this guy from the Sox. Now we could take this guy from the Angels. So I think they're both going to be highly involved. I really do. And, you know, we'll see. The The thing to me is, yeah, if he goes from the Angels to the Dodgers, he's going from a team that doesn't make the playoffs to a team that, you know, is is in the running to win the World Series every year for the last, what, five years or whatever. But, but at the same – right. So there's this – but – my only thing with the Dodgers is it's like you're staying in the same city and you're switching teams. I understand it's a totally different organization. I understand it's a totally different situation. And I understand the argument for is you're going to stay in the same city, 
that you might be very comfortable in, but you have an opportunity to win a World Series. But if I'm Shohei and I'm thinking like, okay, you know what? How many more years am I going to be playing this thing? Hopefully it's many, but you know, life life can be so fragile. So do I want to see what life is like on the East Coast? I just feel like if Shohei is going to make a big move, why would you stay in the same city? So I think there, I think the argument for the Mets and the Yankees, the Yankees can say, look at what we did with Babe Ruth. The Mets can say, look at all this money we have. And you, you know, you can make, you can make this history with the Mets instead of going to the Yankees, you could come to New York and you could be a, a part of a different type of history, right? If you come to the Mets, you're not going to be in the, in the long line of the DiMaggio's and the Whitey Fords and the Yogi Berra's and the this, that, and the third. But if you come to the Mets, you're going to have the opportunity to, you know, be Mr. Matt, to be the guy. So they have a push in that respect. The Yankees have the push in history and what they did with Babe Ruth. The Dodgers have the stay where you are and stay with where you're comfortable and just be in a winning franchise. So I think everybody's got their arguments, but the East Coast to me is going to push change and the Dodgers are going to push you know what it's like to be in L.A. You've lived here. You've obviously been able to get along here all right, and now you can be a part of a winning franchise. So I, th- I think that I think that the arguments are pretty clear in what people are going to make, but I'm going to be honest with you. I would love this East Coast, West Coast thing to be an actual, like, vibrant, real thing and, and not just a, yeah, yeah, I'm gonna, yeah, I'm going to stay with the Dodgers. I mean, I, I don't want this to drag on to a point where we're getting close to, you know, train, you know, guys training and all that stuff. This is what I want. I want there to be like world series ends. Diamondbacks win it, (laughs) but I was like world series ends. And then I want to spend like two or three months just, just in the Shohei Otani sweepstakes because I'm getting my popcorn from. He's going to draw it out. Like my, I'm willing to bet you, he is going to go visit every single team. He's going to do his due diligence because of that's who he is. And I was I was talking to somebody yesterday, and they had asked, you know, do I think that, you know, the injury is going to cost him a lot of money? Right. Yeah, it's going to cost him money. He's still getting – he's still breaking the record for contract. Yeah. He, you, he may not get 650, 700. You back in here? I have another question from a main man. Oh, you got, he's got a question for you, Murph. Oh, uh, okay. Go ahead. Um, speaking of MVPs, who do you like in the National League? See if we think alike. That's that's a good one. Um, I still think it's Acuna. It's just Acuna. What he's done is so historic that I don't think I don't. I, I know Mookie Betts has been great this year, but Acuna's season's just been so historic that I don't think you can not give it. Yeah, to that's true. I think his stolen bases are probably going to get it over. But earlier, uh, I think it was three four weeks ago, I was touting uh, Olson um, because he was on yeah. such a tear. Uh, if he was hitting a little bit better, uh, I think, I don't know, he's probably hitting around 280, something like that. But um, if Olsen was hitting a little bit better, he's the one that's really that's carrying Atlanta. But uh, I can't argue with Acuna. He's just, uh, he's in a, he's sensational. He really is. He is. He is some type of player. Yeah. And it's, it's it kills me because Atlanta keeps getting these guys on team-friendly deals that they've got for the next 10 freaking years. Yeah. And we got a deal with facing them yeah. 20 times a year. When I was and a kid, Atlanta did it right, and they did it with pitching. They're, they're smart. We yeah. got Strider this year, though. Yeah. My See you, bud. God, is he good. <laughs> yeah, we're talking about Otani. Uh, Otani probably going to take a couple months and go around the country when for his sweepstakes to see who wants him. 
East Coast, West Coast, all of that, PJ. Yankees. Yeah, speak English. Yankees, Dodgers, Mets. We'll they're see. All, they're all in the ballgame. Uh, we'll see. We'll see what happens here. So, To be honest with you, yeah. real quick, I'm going to make a hot take right now. Yeah. And we can feel free, you know, when uh, – when, um, at the end of the season or at the end of, you know, once he decides where he's going, we can replay this and see if I was right or wrong. Yeah. I think he ends up in Seattle. Yeah. That's my, that's my hot take. I I think Otani ends up in Seattle. Shorter flight to Japan. Yeah. They, they have a Japanese following because of Ichiro. Yeah. Well, and that's going to, that's going to be their argument. When I talk about everybody's argument, their argument's going to be Ichiro. And I'm sure Ichiro's going to be one of the ones that's going to be recruiting him. Yeah, he'll probably because bring him out to Ichiro's dinner. Ichiro's retired, Ichiro still does a lot of things with the Mariners organization. Listen, Ichiro, this is the thing about this is the thing about Ichiro. There's certain guys, and there's certain men and women of their sports that if you don't watch their sports, you know nothing about it. You don't know anything about the league. You know them, right? Some people might say, "I don't watch," you know, women's soccer, which I would argue that you should. But some people might say, I don't watch women's soccer, but they know who Hope Solo is. I think if you don't watch Major League Baseball or you're not an avid baseball fan, you know Ichiro. Like if I'm thinking about just names, you know, in recent history, you know Ichiro, you know Shohei Otani, you know Derek Jeter, you know Alex Rodriguez. There's there's certain names that just stick out to you. And Ichiro is one of those guys. It's kind of like when... I, I kind of compare him to like Tiger Woods in golf. If you don't watch golf, you know Tiger. Ichiro is one of those guys where it's like, if you don't know baseball, you knew Ichiro. You knew he played for the Mariners. He's just one of those names that stuck with you, and he's one of those people that that you just know. There's there's certain names at any given time in any given sport where there's a short list of guys where you're like, yeah, I know who, the, who those who those people are. I mean. You could be an NFL fan and never watch baseball, and somebody says to you Shohei Otani, and that that guy or girl might turn around and go, "Yeah, you see the way he's hitting." I mean, like it's it's just one of those names that sticks. So, you know, Ichiro is going to have a lot of pull, and that's the Seattle that's, side. That's why I think he ends up in Seattle. Yeah. I, I genuinely do. I mean, yeah, before Otani, Japanese baseball in the United States was Ichiro. Yeah, you know, Hideo Nomo was great. Hideki Matsui was great. Yeah. You know, they have, they've had plenty of good players come over from Japan. Yeah. But it's Ichiro. Ichiro, now Otani will definitely, you know, overtake him for this title, but <clears throat> Ichiro is, <clears throat> excuse me, um, Ichiro is the greatest player to come over to the United States from Japan ever. Yeah. Now that I do think Otani will eventually take that title. Oh yeah. I don't want to give it to him yet because Otani has only played five years in the big leagues so far. So Ichiro is going to have a pull with him. I really think he will. But I'm intrigued. I really am intrigued to see where he ends up. I, I think I still think Seattle's a very big player. They want him bad. Um, I don't care if you have the money or not. I think all 30 teams should at least be making that phone call to to come get him. Yeah, comes to see him. Um, even the Oakland A's. You want to? You want one thing to keep the Oakland A's in Oakland? Shohei Otani. Yeah, it'll never happen. Right. But that's something that can keep the A's in Oakland. Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, <laughs> you look at it and say, if they're not going to pay to upkeep their 
their actual headquarters. They're gonna pay more for him. Yeah, they're gonna pay more for Otani than they pay for the field. So, but looking at yeah, looking at this right now, not only did Shohei Otani exit from the clubhouse clearing out his locker he's back in japan so you know that that's and and you know what it's probably the best place for him because if i know anything about life when when you don't feel like yourself and things maybe didn't go your way and you feel some adversity sometimes you just got to come home right you got to come home you got to reset you got to get around the people that love you most, the people that know you most, the people you don't have to say anything to. You could just sit in the room. You know, I feel that way when I am around my closest of the closest and they give me that, you know, we know who you are. We know what you're about. When I sit with my mom, when I sit with PJ and Mary, like there's this feeling of I know who I am. I know where I come from and I can reset. And so I think, you know, Shohei, this is a smart move to go back home and, you know, eat the food that you love, be around the people that you love, go to the places that you grew up going around and just kind of find yourself because I don't know Shohei personally, but I trust my gut and I trust my vibe. I think Shohei is going to really, you know, get get intimate with this thing and 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 get get into who he is and what he's about. And I think in this move, he's going to really hone in on who he is, what he's about, what makes him who he is. And he's going to let that speak to him. I may be crazy, but I think that Shohei is going to make this decision based on a lot of things that, that people might not think of, which could include his childhood. And I'm excited to see how this goes down. And, and I'm really looking forward to it. And I'm looking forward to Shohei Otani and I getting to talk someday you know there's been a lot of wonderful people on the show and the opportunity to speak with Shohei Otani is never without reach and uh and I look forward to that day by the grace of God when I can talk to Shohei Otani about this and be like hey when you're making this decision and be like you know what Dan I went back to when I was five years old and be like I knew it <laughs> so I'm uh, I'm excited here's the thing yeah go ahead he looks like he's really shy yeah that's the crazy thing about it. Like, yeah, especially when he first came over, like when he first came over to the States, it's just, it's just the vibe that he gave off. It just seemed like he's very shy. Yeah. And, but realistically, if you ever listen to stories about him, he basically eats, sleeps and breathes baseball. That's all he does. When he was in Japan, he would spend like more, he would spend his entire day at the ballpark. Only reason he'd go home to his apartment is to eat, sleep. Yeah, he just loves it. Yeah, and that's the and that's the beauty about about Shohei and about you know sports in general. You don't have a lot of guys anymore that like truly love the sport, and that's all they ever want to do. Shohei Otani is one of them. Yeah. So we've got first of all we've got to appreciate him while he lasts, yeah. because there will never be another one of them. I don't care what anyone says. There will never be another Shohei Otani. It took a hundred years for us to have another Babe Ruth, and Shohei Otani is better than Babe Ruth. Much better pitcher, just as good if not better hitter. And remember, Babe Ruth faced guys that were throwing eighty miles an hour. Yeah. I faced guys throwing eighty miles an hour in high school. Yeah. Literally. Yeah. I faced a guy in in a in a pickup baseball game with uh, Ross and Carl Turetsky that I think threw the ball 90 miles an hour. And I just remember standing up 
going like, I haven't held a bat in like 15 years. I went up to bat. The guy threw the pitch. I saw him, I saw him lunge for, I saw him lean forward and, and let go of the ball. And then I saw the ball in the glove. And I remember looking at the glove going, yeah, I'm in trouble. I have no idea where the ball was from his hand that's, to the glove. That's one of those events <laughs> where you say, good morning, good afternoon, good night. Yeah. Take your seat. And I remember they're like, Dan, was, Dan, you got to, you got to walk. Good eye. I'm like, good eye. It had nothing to do with my eyes. It had to do with the fact I that I, I had no idea where the ball was. Could have hit me in the face. I have no idea where that ball went. But they're like, Dan, you get on base. And I was like, cool. And then as soon as I got on base, I'm like, okay, this is my vibe. This is my jam. I'm on base now. Now I can get sneaky. Now I can steal. And then, of course, you know, somebody got out and I had to come back in. I'm like, man, I'm on base now. The whole the whole batting thing? No. Somebody else do that. I'll pinch run for you. That's how I felt. Yeah. There you go. But so we got into baseball, talked a lot about baseball. We are going to get into the Jets and the Jaguars. We're going to take a fast break. We're going to come back and discuss Jets and Jaguars and the Neon Dion factor, as promised right after this, as PJ, who has a takeover on Thursday, had a little Monday takeover. And I love the fact that we have cameos on Wake Up Call now. It's becoming like maybe your favorite sitcom. We'll see. We'll take a step aside for a fast break. We'll be back right after this. It's like when you're watching Friends and then you're like, how did Johnny Depp get on Friends today? We'll take a step aside here on Wake Up Call. We'll be back right after this. Hi, this is Amy from Mother's Cupboard, home of the whole frittata. We are open daily, 6 a.m. to 1.30 p.m. For takeout orders, call 315-432-0942. And tune in to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora for our monthly food challenge and try our Wake Up Call signature menu item, available seven days a week. Here at Mother's Cupboard, we are Central New York, and it's our honor to serve you. Ma and Pa's Kettle Corn and Popcorn Factory remind us that every day is worth celebrating. Find them at 201 Old 7th North Street in Liverpool, New York. Open Monday through Saturday in-store and all the time online at maandpazpopcorn.com. Serving our Central New York community and beyond, you can order all throughout the country at maandpazpopcorn.com. And remember to get your tins, which have in-store half-price refills forever. Ma and Pa's Kettle Corn and Popcorn Factory available to you for fundraising and all of your events by calling 315-450-6272. That's 315-450-6272. Mon Paz Kettle Corn and Popcorn Factory. How corny are you? This is Jimmer Sikowski, owner-operator of Chick-fil-A Cicero, 7916 Brewerton Road in Cicero, right in front of the Home Depot. I had a deep feeling that God wanted me to do something bigger with my life and to help people, help others. I kept putting Chick-fil-A in my life, and I realized as I was going through the franchise selection process that uh, positively impacting the lives of others was really core to what we do here at Chick-fil-A. First of all, it starts with the food. The food is brought in fresh daily, and we bring in local produce. We prepare to order in the kitchen. We hand bread our chicken. We hand spin our milkshakes. It's it's great food. It doesn't taste like fast food. I, I think the second thing is is the way people feel when they come in a Chick Fil A restaurant. It's different. We we try to treat people with intentional kindness here, which is very different, deeper than good customer service. And so 
And I think it feels remarkable for most people to come in a Chick-fil-A restaurant. And then lastly, the impact that we try to have in the community is very different. It's a big part of the expectation of every operator of a Chick-fil-A restaurant is that they're actively engaged in their community, they're a leader in the community, and they're, they're making a difference. When they realize that what we're striving to do is to shine a little light in their life, that's a very, very different experience uh, than you will have at any other quick service restaurant. And it's that remarkable experience that I think people will emotionally connect with. Welcome back here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora, hanging out with you where sports truly meets that thing called life. And we are here inside of DT and Murphy, which starts off your week every week on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora, having some fun with Murph and a cameo from Papa Joe. We're jumping into the NFL here on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora. Murph's Jets, my Jaguars. Murph, we'll start with your Jets. Your thoughts on the New York Jets? I mean, I guess... What I would say is I'm not surprised. I mean, I want Zach Wilson to do well. I want this team to succeed. They had a total team effort in their victory on 9-11 against the Bills. And this kind of feels like the Zach Wilson team that they had, which is why he wasn't the starting quarterback. I'd love to get your thoughts because it seems like now they're going to be the underdog in, in every game. Pretty much. And here, here's the one takeaway that I'll say. Dallas is really good. That, that's what I'm going to say. Dallas is really good. Micah Parsons was everywhere. I don't care where he lined up. He managed to get through and he got to Zach Wilson. Zach Wilson didn't play well, not because Zach Wilson wasn't good. Zach Wilson didn't play well because he never had time. That's yeah. been the Jets' problem for years. The offensive line has been terrible. Yeah. Now, the right side of the line with Beckton and Elijah Vera Tucker has been really good. McGovern at center hasn't been great. I think it might be time to give Joe Tipman a shot. Lincoln Tomlinson and Dwayne Brown on the left side have been awful. Yeah. Absolutely terrible. Dwayne Brown especially looks like he's – he looks like a well, – something I don't want to say on, 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 on air. But he doesn't – It's he's had a Hall of Fame career, great player in his day. But, buddy, it's time to retire. Go home. We need anyone else to play left tackle at this point. I would throw Becton back over there if you had to. But – you know, Elijah Barrett, Barrett Tucker's been solid, and and Lincoln Tomlinson and and Dwayne Brown have been terrible. That's Zach Wilson's blind side. Dwayne Brown's chop block is the reason Aaron Rodgers is out for the season. Four plays in. Now, I'm not bl- necessarily blaming it on him. The injury could have happened any time. Yeah. But yeah, that throw that ball was supposed to get out quick. Yeah. But now Aaron Rodgers is out for the year because the poor poor play from your left tackle. And Zach Wilson got beat up because of poor play from your left tackle. You know how many times Micah Parsons beat him yesterday? Well, it had to be a dozen. In fair, in, and in fairness, I mean, Micah Parsons at this point, I know we're two weeks in, but 
defensive player of the year. If if I had to, I know there's NFC, AFC, all that. One hundred percent. Micah not, Par- not in the NFL. Yeah, Micah Parsons, to me. Chris Jones, from what I saw yesterday firsthand in Kansas City. But if I had to choose today, feet to the fire, I got Chris Jones in the mix. But Micah Parsons is the defensive player of the year as of right now. I mean, T.J. Watt had some game against. Uh, yeah. Well, and that's I mean, that's the thing, too. I said I what was it last year. Was it last year or two years ago? Two years ago. It's gonna be I, those two. I mean, it literally could be at any time. But T.J. Watt, it was two years ago where where they're like, at yeah, because Ben Roethlisberger was still the quarterback. And they would interview Ben after the game. And I'm like, why aren't they interviewing the MVP? It's TJ Watt. There was like four games, like four, five, seven games where I'm like, they won that game because of TJ Watt. They almost won that game because of TJ Watt. They went in overtime because of TJ Watt. TJ Watt is the guy in Pitt. And he was the one that was helping Ben Roethlisberger down the stretch. Micah Parsons came in with this hype. And, and I'm not a guy who's all about the hype. I want to see you do it. He came in with this hype. Fall to Dallas. Well, that's the thing. Came in with this hype from Penn State and then goes out. And Micah Parsons, I believe, was on my radar when he was getting recruited in, from high school to college. And then to see what he has done and how successful he's been, Micah Parsons, to me, it's – and I like that you mentioned T.J. Watt. If I had to put it out there right now, I'd say T.J. Watt, Micah Parsons, I'm thinking of Chris Jones. But that's kind of how I, I put all this together. But if I had to choose today, Defensive Player of the Year in the NFL, 32 franchises, the one that's above all of them right now is Micah. Yeah, and he's just so valuable being all over the place. It's, yeah. it's honestly incredible. But When he wants to get you, he gets you. I mean, that you know, jumping over guys, going through guys, going around guys, going under. I mean, he, I mean you line up and Micah's there and he's looking at you like, I'm going to jump over you. I'm just going to jump over you. I'm a big dude, and I'm going to find a way to, like, gazelle over your body to go where I need to go. So, I mean, Micah, to me, is just a freak of nature. And, you know, I credit him with a lot of great stuff. But I think if you go back, and I'm and, and listen, it's every season with T.J. Watt. But if you go back two seasons ago, and, you know, they always ask that question, like, if there wasn't this person on the team, how many games would they have won? If T.J. Watt was not on the team in Ben Roethlisberger's last year, the team maybe would have won three games. Yeah. I mean, TJ is just a, I mean, and at the end of the, and they're not interviewing him. And I'm like, and that was the year they were on Sunday night football, like three times within a short amount of the span. Cause the Steelers are always going to get that poll. The Cowboys are always going to get that poll, no matter what their team does. And so I'm watching the Steelers in all of these primetime games. And I'm like, jeepers, Chris, it's TJ Watt. So, but yeah, no, Micah Parsons is is crazy. But to your Jets, what do we do from here? I mean, I would imagine that the sweepstakes has got to be fully open and ready. Maybe the Jets want to call Shohei Otani. I mean, I don't know at this point. <laughs> what can we do? Uh, I mean, you got to sign a quarterback. Um, it, and there's, there's options out there. I mean, realistically, Carson Wentz is probably your best option. Yeah. I think he's still got the most left in the tank. I think. Former number two you know, pick, gentlemen and yeah. ladies. He played relatively well for Washington Commanders and yeah. Colts in the last few years. He just had zero pieces around him. The teams were terrible. 
Yeah. And it wasn't it wasn't necessarily all his fault. A lot of his interceptions were because he had to force things. Right? Yeah. I think he's a good option. Colt McCoy's not a bad option. He's a, a really good veteran. He's been a backup most of his career, but you know, former high pick of the of the Cleveland Browns. I believe he was maybe a third round pick. Um but uh good player. You know, he's a guy I wouldn't mind. Um I mean then if you look at the trade market, you know, Couple of weeks, like last week, they were talking about maybe trying to go get Matthew Stafford again from the Rams, but the Rams are two and zero. I'm sorry, no, the Rams Rams are one and one. So the Rams won their first game, and now they lost. So they just lost to the Niners last night or yesterday. But I don't I don't see them trading Matthew Stafford at this point because I think they're better than they think they are. Yeah, uh, than they thought they were. Um, and who's so behind him? You, the the man that, that I said I said, and who's behind? Matthew Stafford, the guy that I said deserved an opportunity in the NFL, Stetson Bennett. Yeah. I mean, maybe they do. You know, I don't know. if Maybe around the trade deadline they might. But I don't I don't really – I don't think the solution is to bring in a long-term quarterback because realistically, Rodgers is coming back. I don't know when, but he's coming back. So I don't think you need to go long-term option. But I actually don't think this is a bad thing for the Jets because now if Wilson stinks – Yeah. And they're not good this year, and they have another high draft pick. Wilson's gone. They can draft a quarterback to sit behind Rodgers and develop an actually good quarterback and do it the right way. Yeah. And then, you know, a couple years from now, when Rodgers when Rogers is done, they come in and play. You know, this quarterback class is deep. I think they take a quarterback this year regardless. I could, I mean, if they have a high first round pick, maybe they trade down and recoup a second round pick. But this quarterback class is deep. Yeah, really, really deep. So I mean, this—they're saying this could be one of the best quarterback classes in recent memory. So I'd, I'd be really intrigued to see if that's the case. But um, realistically, I think you got to sign a quarterback. Yeah. I don't think last night was all on Zach. I don't. I think the offensive line played horrible. I think he had zero time to do anything. He made plenty of decent throws, but he had he was under so much duress that he literally didn't have time to do anything. He didn't have time to go through his progressions. Now, he's still taking too long to read. Like that that pick that he threw down the left sideline, I think that was the that might have been the third one. Um, the one that he threw when he was throwing it to Garrett Wilson when the safety came over. I think realistically, if he had gotten that ball out a little sooner. The throw was great. It was a it was a great throw. Yeah, but he waited too long. He waited too long, so the safety was able to come over and help after Garrett Wilson absolutely burned Trayvon Diggs, who, by the way, stinks as a corner. Abs- he gets burned. It's terrible. But I think he's he still looks better than he did last year. Like, the, yeah, he threw three, three picks last night, but the third, the last. The last one, it was kind of, you know, you're trying to do things at the end. Yeah. You need to win the game. You need to make something something happen. It You're going to make – you're going to have interceptions like that. Every quarterback does. Um, but I, he's still he's still really slow to go through his progressions. Uh, it's better than it was, but it still needs work. The thing is, he was so raw coming out of college, and he still is. Yeah. He hasn't really developed into the – you know, quarterback that we all thought he could be. So I I personally think with him, you got to ride it out at this point. 
you sign Carson Wentz or Nick Foles or Colt McCoy as the backup. Yeah. Um, it takes time. You know, and, and see what happens. And realistically, if he stinks and you have to bench him again, yeah. it's over for him. Right. The thing if, is, though, it's... If he gets benched again, it's over. Right. It takes time, though. It takes time. Yeah, if he gets benched again, then then I feel like the NFL is just going to say, okay, well, I mean, this guy's this guy's yeah. done. We're not going to pick him up. And But we'll see. We'll definitely see what happens from here. My Jaguars, a quick note as we get ready to get Fran Valenzuela on the show for Saxon Spotlight. Uh, Jaguars, quick take. Defense played, you know, pretty, pretty darn well in this game. Uh, created a lot of takeaways. Jaguars didn't. I mean, it's the same thing Trevor Lawrence said when I was in the press conference yesterday. Uh, they they were 0 for 4 in the red zone. They didn't do what they needed to do on third down. You don't complete third downs and you don't score in the red zone. That's going to be the, you know, what other issues do you need? You got to keep drives alive. You got to take advantage of the short field. They were on the one yard line. They decided to not run it up the gut. They decided to fake it, have Trevor go to the outside and then forcing passes into the end zone. And he was going a little bit too far to the back of the end zone and things didn't work out. So uh, Jaguars had a chance once again to have the defending uh, champions on the ropes, and they did not come through with the victory. They know what they need to do. My on the prowl one-on-one conversations with the Jaguars, including my question to Trevor Lawrence while I'll be coming up this week. So uh, last note here really quick, Deion Sanders factor, like it, dislike it. Love it. Absolutely love it. I think the Colorado Buffaloes are better off because of it. Uh, I don't think they come back in that game on Saturday without Dion. So, you know, obviously Travis Hunter's going to be out for a little bit. He got, he took a kind of a cheap shot, but he took a little bit of a hit and he's going to be out for a couple of weeks. Yeah. Um, but Shadur Sanders can still lead that team. Dion doing his thing. Uh, I expect that team to do good, to do good, uh, do well in the Pac-12 this year. Yeah, you know, I, I think I think it's definitely going to be something to watch here these next couple games. They got to face off against Oregon. They got to play USC. I I think this will really kind of show the metal of this team and and what they can become. Listen, Colorado this entire season is playing with house money. A lot of people have not paid attention to Colorado. They haven't been a team on the map. They haven't been on the radar. They made no sense geographically in the Pac-12. They were the outlier of the Pac-12. They're going back to the Big 12 after this season. Colorado has not had a lot of fanfare around it, not a lot of you know being ranked in the top 25. There's been little to no conversation nationally about them. Dion stepping in automatically gets the conversation. They get college game day. He brings a lot with him, and there's a lot to be had with this. Now, does the man have an ego? Absolutely. Does he look like the second coming of Dion in the NFL when he's talking? Absolutely. But Dion Sanders is in a place right now where he's got this team believing. He's got the and, and again, they're playing with house money because this is a team that is expected to win one to four games a season. So the fact that they're doing what they're doing up to this point and they're excited and they're having fun and the fan base is around it. Listen, it's a great team. It's a great thing for college football. It's a great thing for sports. You know, ego-wise and having a bunch of egos in the same room, is this ultimately going to be great for Colorado down the road? We'll see. Is it going to create some issues in some of this me me environment, potentially? But, you know, as of right now, it's it's great to see what Dion is doing, and we'll see how they respond. When this team goes through tough times, when they go through adversity, when they play Oregon and USC coming up here, 
can they band together? Can they work together? Is it a me society or a we society? This is where we're going to see, you know, Dion, who talks about faith, and I always appreciate the conversations he has about that. Can this team be faithful? Can they lean on each other? Can they lean on God? Can they really keep the faith? Can they put the gold chains aside? And can they put the, you know, where are my stats aside and sunglasses in in a, in a closed room, sunglasses indoors? Can they put that stuff inside when they're tested? That's, who we're, that's when we're going to really see, does this team believe in each other? Are they working together? And is this uh, a unit that's going to be with a, able to withstand adversity? Because it feels good and it's showy and it's fun and it's this Kardashian-like atmosphere right now. But when the team has to go through an uphill climb, can they do it together? I think it's good for sports. I think it's fun for sports. I think it's great for college football. And I think Colorado Buffaloes may be making more money in the last two weeks than they made in the last decade. But what is it going to be when this team is actually tested is the question. And we're going to find that out really quick because I think we're going to find that out this weekend. As always, Murph, I appreciate you being here. Appreciate having you on the show. And I look forward to talking with you soon. DT and Murphy, my good buddy, Brendan Murphy, joining me to start off every week on Wake Up Call on Mondays at 9 a.m. Eastern time. And I hope the best for you, Murph. I hope the best for your Mets. And uh, if the Mets want to take a few from the Phillies, I'm, you know, Diamondbacks and I are not going to hate on that. So I appreciate you for everything. And I look forward to talking with you soon. Go Gators, baby. There you go. Go Gators. Take care. That coming from Murph here on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora, where sports truly meets that thing called life. We're going to take a quick step aside for a fast break. When we come back, we'll be ready here with Fran Valenzuela of the Alfred Saxons men's basketball team and hailing from the Dominican Republic. He joins me right after this. In these unique times, there are those in our community that give us a sense of normalcy and positivity. Pizza Man on 50 Oswego Street in Baldwinsville has been here for you for over 35 years and is here now. Call 315-638-1234 or order online at pizzamanbville.com to bring those familiar tastes into your home. And remember to come see our monthly on-site broadcasts centered around the community and our Baldwinsville bees. Pizza Man in Baldwinsville. Any way you slice it, they are always here for you. I'm George Townsend of Honda City with some good advice from buying a new car. The true cost of owning a new car is determined by the Recording appraised value when you trade it. No vehicle appraises higher Recording than a Honda. Let's look for low APRs and deep discounts. You also want low maintenance costs and great fuel economy. That's why my advice to you is to buy a new Honda. Looking pre-owned, visit our Honda Certified Used Car Center. Honda City, 7140 Henry Clay Boulevard, Liverpool, or hondacity-cny.com. Our corporate purpose at Chick-fil-A is to glorify God by being faithful stewards of all that's entrusted to us and to positively influence all those who come in contact with Chick-fil-A. And what became increasingly clear from our success in Cicero is that people love Chick-fil-A. And also, I think we recognize that you know, we had a great opportunity to grow the brand and grow our platform. I felt incredibly grateful when I was you know, selected to be a Chick-fil-A operator. 
I think what it's meant for me, what I've come to realize on a very deep level is that this is a calling for me. It's not a career. It's not a job. The Lord called me to be a Chick-fil-A operator and to use these restaurants to glorify him and to positively influence other people. I'm blessed. I'm very blessed. Head to Chick-fil-A Clay on 3974 State Route 31 in Liverpool, New York. Welcome back here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora. Proud to be here with you every Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time. And we're coming to you from our second home, our second hub of Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora and Dan Tortora Broadcast Media, which is the great state of Florida, the Sunshine State, coming off of my coverage of the Jacksonville Jaguars home opener of the 2023-24 season against the Kansas City Chiefs. Seeing the Jaguars go up against them, you're going to have my on-the-prowl one-on-one conversations with the Jaguars coming up this week. Plenty of players joining Wake Up Call as they have done throughout the uh, decade-plus that I have been on-site, on-location, and coverage of this team. So Jaguars coming up this week, and of course, my game story is already up and available to you by going to wakeupcalldt.com, so make sure that you do that. And now uh, we are waiting here to get everything set with uh, Fran Valenzuela, who's going to be joining me here on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora for this edition of the Saxon Spotlight. You know, the Saxon Spotlight is part of our exclusive multimedia marketing partnership with the Alfred University Saxons and our opportunity to spotlight student athletes, coaches, administration, and alumni. And today, for the first time ever, I have the pleasure and the honor of welcoming to the broadcast Fran Valenzuela here on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora. So uh, many thanks to Fran for taking some time with me here today. Fran, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Doing very well. So, uh, you know, I want to kind of start with uh, where it all started from with you uh, being from the Dominican Republic. Uh, how would you describe life in the Dominican? Life over there is tough. Yeah. For a lot of kids that want to play basketball and come here to the U.S. And you, you said it's tough. Uh, what's tough about it in the Dominican for those that want to come and play basketball here? The opportunities are not there's – no, there's not a lot of opportunities for people like me. You have to be lucky in order to be able to come here or, have, or know a lot of people in order to be able to come to the U.S. to, to see your gym here. And so for you, you know, Fran, when, when you were working to get here, when you said it's really difficult to come from the Dominican to America, what was your journey like? How did you get here? So the first place I was born here. So yeah, it wasn't that really hard for me. But uh, when I was 15, I went to a camp in the Dominican Republic for a foundation called FDM. Yeah. And they they brought a lot of kids here to from the Dominican to here with scholarships, and I was lucky to be one of those kids. And so, like you said, I mean, you being born here makes it a little bit easier. But when you got to do that as a teenager and go to the Dominican, what did that opportunity create for you and that scholarship create for you? So it allowed me to come to the U.S. I came to California to Stockton, California, with a scholarship in a, in a private school. And when, yeah. when you went there, when you went off to California, this, this journey for you, taking you out to the West coast, 
what did you learn about America being out there? What did you learn about basketball here when you got to play in California? I learned a lot. First thing I learned is that I had to work my my butt off because it, it it wasn't the same basketball as the one that we play in the Dominican. So I had to adjust to to the speed of the game, to the system, and everything. And when you say it's it's different, and you talk about the speed being different, what other parts of the of the game of basketball do you feel like were different between the Dominican and America? They here in the U.S. we play more like system than in the Dominican. The Dominican we run a lot. That's what we do the most. Do you like this? Do you like it here now? I mean, now that you played it for a while, do you feel like you've gotten accustomed to? the you know americanized side of basketball or do you miss the way that the dominican plays i kind of like more the, the american basketball okay you like it what do you like more about it now uh, i like the fact that because i'm i'm a i'm really good at playing system and so that playing system helped me out a lot to show my game do you have a system that you like more than others? Do you have a way of play that you like more? Mm, I like I like to run because I'm from the DR, but I like to also uh, get the ball in the post, kick it back, play, get my all my teammates in both. And so you, you come to Alfred. So we talk about this. You're born in the U.S. You go back to the Dominican. You, you play and you get a scholarship, you come to California. So you've had this kind of like back and forth road to where you are today. How did you end up at Alfred? It was a long story because when I, when I, my first school in California closed my sophomore year. So I had to transfer to Virginia. And then in Virginia, my season got canceled again. So I had to go to Texas and then I finished like, half of a year in Texas and then I went back to Cali to San Diego to finish school in San Isidro in San Diego. And then how did you go from San Diego to Alfred? Because I always I spent four years far from my family and I wanted to be like close to them, to my sister, uncle and all that. So I wanted to come to New York and kind of, uh, Coach Canfi offered me a great opportunity to come here and play for him. Did he did he tell you how he found you going through this whole process of California to Virginia to Texas back to California? Did he tell you like when he came across your film or how he connected with you? No, I actually sent my emails to him and then okay. he liked me. So you send your stuff out to him. What was it about Alfred? Were you just looking up schools in New York? I mean, how did you find Alfred? Yeah, I was looking at schools in New York. Where's now? And you talked about your sister and your family. Where do they live in New York? In the city. In, in their city. Okay. So did you apply to uh, other schools in New York? Did you reach out to other schools in New York? No. After I talked to uh, Coach Canfi, I felt like this was a great opportunity for me. So it's it was it was kind of like, I guess, meant to be when you were looking up schools in New York, you found Alfred. How did you find Alfred when you were looking stuff up? Did you just type in New York schools? Did you, I mean, cause obviously Alfred's in the Western part of New York, 
a little bit away from New York City. So how did you find Alfred? I just type in schools in New York City. And okay. I look up roster, look up the coaches' email, and send the emails. And so, so you looked up New York City. You found one that's outside of New York City in, in Alfred. When when they told you, hey, it's a few hours away, did did that matter to you? Not really, but it was funny because since it was far from the city, Coach Canfield wanted me to come in a visit. But I didn't want to come because I felt like I was already committed. So when I came, when I came here, that's when I realized more that I wanted to come here. So you came for a visit. You got on campus. What did you do when you came for the visit? I they took me to all the. They took me around campus. They showed me everything. They showed me basketball court, the gyms, and all that. What did you like about it? When you said you already felt like you were committed, but you came on to, to see the school, when you saw the facilities, when you walked around, what did you like? What did you take away? I kind of like that it was far from from a lot of places because I, I can focus better like that. Well, yeah, I mean, like you said, you're coming from California, you're, you're you know, Virginia, Texas and whatnot. Do you like that it's, I mean, still to this day? Do you like being at Alfred where it's more quiet? It's more small community. Like you said, it can help your focus. Now that you've had some time at Alfred, do you feel like that's the right place for you? Yeah, I feel like it is. Because Alfred's a great community. Even if we're small, we have a lot of great people here. We talk about your journey here with Fran Valenzuela of the Dominican Republic, who is at Alfred University on the men's basketball team in this edition of Saxon Spotlight, exclusive to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora. Fran, going through the history that you've had, how would you describe this journey when we're when we're discussing it? I mean, you're a young kid, yet you've been here in the States You've been out to California after going back to the Dominican. You've been Virginia. You've been Texas. Then you went back to California again, and now you're in New York. How would you describe this road when you reflect on it in this long journey that you've had? What comes to mind for you when you think about it? I feel like that's a lot of experience. I had struggled a lot. I struggled a lot because I was never... I was never the best player or the one, the one that you always look first. But I was always the hard, the hardest worker. Yeah. So, from every place that I went, I learned a lot of stuff that took me to the and that made me the player that I am today and the person that I am today. And when you say that, you know, you got to learn a lot about who you are today. Who are you today? I feel like I'm great, young man. That is looking to fight for his dreams. Yeah. Do you miss the Dominican? I do sometimes, but I, I always go back. You always go, you said you always go back. When was the last time you went? I went for the summer. Oh, okay. So paint a picture. I've never been to the Dominican Republic. I've been to uh, Puerto Rico, but I've never been to the Dominican. How would you describe life in the Dominican? It's not bad. It's not as the way that people look, that people think that we struggle a lot to eat, to to do anything. It's pretty good actually. We're a, 
a really close community and we have love for each other. So you said it, it's not really like how people describe it, which I've heard about a lot of places. You know, I just had somebody come on the show, uh, Nekawan Mark Don, who came on the show and uh, him and I had a conversation about Liberia, Africa, and, and he said it's not like what the news shows you. How do you react to that when you see the news talk about the Dominican and it's usually in a negative way? When you see that in America, but you know that's not the truth of the Dominican, how do you kind of take that? Does it bother you that, that they misrepresent your country? Not really, because I know I know where I'm from and I know what, what I have seen. So if, if we went to the Dominican right now, you and I went on a trip today, what food are we eating? And keep in mind, I have Hispanic heritage as well. So I want to know, paint a picture. What, what are we getting? What are we getting to eat? Uh, white rice, beans, and chicken. And chicken. All right. Okay. Are you cooking? Are you making any of this food? Somebody else cooking? Who's cooking? Somebody else cooking. <laughs> Who's cooking? Somebody else. Make my mom cook. Your mom will cook. Okay. What now? And if we were if we were spending a day just exploring the Dominican, where are we going? What are we doing? What's what's on the uh, what's on the agenda for the day? There's a lot of stuff. There's bitch, bitch. Uh, there's a lot of stuff. I can't even tell you all of it. Well, and I, I will say this too: uh, being part Hispanic, and I've learned Spanish over time. I was working down in Florida. I was working in Disney. And typically when I would go to work, uh, people would come up to me and they would think I was Dominican, Puerto Rican, Mexican, Spanish, whatever. But but I realized the dialects were so different. So somebody would come up to me and uh, what I heard every almost every day, if not every week, was they'd see my name tag and they'd say, Daniel. And I'd say, see, and they say, speak Spanish. One woman came up to me from the Dominican and she spoke so fast. And it was faster than I had heard, you know, the Spanish language spoken before. When you hear people from other Spanish speaking countries speak the language, do you feel like the Dominican kind of way of speaking Spanish is is more rapid or no? Yeah. So yeah. and there's different there's like different things that you say. So like uh, when I OK, so when somebody says gracias, I learned de nada. But down in Puerto Rico, they say no hay de que. Is there something that's that's like that in the Dominican Republic? Like, is it gracias de nada, or is it no hay de qué, or do you do you say something else for your welcome? Because I know there's yeah, certain things. We say the same thing. No hay de qué. Yeah. Okay. So, do you have a, a favorite place to go in the Dominican? You said there's so many things to do. Do you have like a place that when you go home you have to go to? I love going to the beach when I'm there. Okay. You like going to the yeah. beach? Is there any beach in America that reminds you of home or no? Actually, I haven't gone to a lot of places in the, in, in the U.S. So you haven't, you haven't experienced it yet. You got to kind of, I want to, I kind of want to know, like, if you went to a beach in Florida or like California or something like that, if it would remind you of it. But the Dominican, you know, known, obviously, like you said, for, for the beach for the food, where do you see yourself in the future? Do you want to stay here in America and build your life? Do you want to go back home after Alfred? What do you, what are your thoughts? No, I think I'm going to stay here after I'm done with college. So you're, you're at Alfred, you're studying computer science. 
Why did you choose that? Because I always had a passion for for uh, programming and computers. What do you want to do? Do you have Do you have a certain job that you want? Maybe I want to be a software engineer. A software engineer. All right, cool. Because as a as as a president and CEO of my company and dealing with all this technology, there's sometimes things that don't work or they don't work as fast as I need them to. So if you become a software engineer, then I'm going to have to call you up and have you help me out. Hopefully, yeah. So before we wrap up here, we're going to play rapid fire in a couple minutes. We're here with Fran Valenzuela of the Dominican Republic and Alfred Saxon's men's basketball team. You come to Alfred University. Like you said, you looked up schools in New York City. You found one that was a little ways out. When you told me that you felt like you were committed, when you spoke to the coaching staff, you looked it up, you sent them your film, they reach out to you. When you said you felt like you were committed before you even came on campus and that you didn't even have to come on campus, why did you feel like you were already committed to Alfred? Because I felt it was a great opportunity. I felt I felt familiarity with the coaching with the coaching staff, and that's that's really all I care about. Did they did they feel different than other coaches that you've had? Yeah. What was it? I mean, when you say that you felt familiar with them, what is it about the coaching staff at Alfred that was so positive for you that you could feel committed to them from across the country? I feel like I feel like they were they were too caring about their players. And do you feel like now that you've been there, is it do you feel that even more? Yeah. Really. So you're on the team, season's coming up. How would you describe the team for men's basketball at Alfred this year? We're going to be good. Yeah? Yeah. Well, now, where do you see yourself, you know, position-wise and the type of player that you are? How do you view yourself on the court? How would you describe kind of your game? Uh, I'm, a, I'm mostly an energy guy. I can play outside and inside, and uh, I'm really good rebounding. Do you see yourself as a dominant front court guy, or are you a guy that can step out and, and hit a big-time shot? I feel like I'm a step-up guy. Okay. And the game's obviously changed over time, right? We used to have small guards, big guys underneath. Now we have seven-footers shooting threes. So how how did, it, did that affect your game at all, the fact that basketball has kind of changed? Did you change the way that you practice? Did you change the way that you kind of train yourself? With basketball changing? No, really, because that's the same thing I told you before. Since I went to a lot of schools, I went to a lot of different type of trainings. Yeah. That made me the made me improve and help me out for this for this time. Do you have a favorite player in the NBA right now? I like LeBron James. You like LeBron? Okay. Favorite part of LeBron's game? That he dominates. <laughs> It's probably the best answer I've ever heard. So that he dominates. Okay. All right. Well, we're going to play rapid fire here with Fran Valenzuela of the Dominican Republic and the Alfred University Saxons men's basketball team in this edition of the Saxon Spotlight. We're going to have three questions apiece. Fran will ask me and I will ask him and we'll go back and forth. None of this is pre-planned. I don't know his questions. He doesn't know mine. Fran, you can ask me anything in the world. What do you got? How do you start how did I start doing this? Uh, so 
I started writing when I was five years old. I would just write stories. I'd use my dad's word processor, which is now in my office. And it was a big old typewriter, weighed more than me. And you, there was a little uh, screen where you could see what you were typing, which typically you didn't get from a typewriter. And I, would, I remember being five years old and get climbing up and kind of standing, standing, sitting on, uh, on the chair in the kitchen, kitchen table, and just writing stories. And I just loved doing that. And then I started collecting cards and I was like, okay, I like watching sports because my parents always had, you know, sports games on. So I'd watch sports, I'd collect cards and I'd flip to the back and I'd start memorizing the stats. And it, and there were so many times I didn't even realize I was memorizing it. And then sports center came on and I thought to myself, like, I love sports I love collecting cards. I love telling stories. I love bringing people together. I love making people smile. And it kind of just all blended together into, you know, wanting to be a sportscaster that branched out to being a broadcaster. Now we do a Disney show. We do an entertainment show. We do a travel show. We do a relationship show. And I just really love bringing people together. I love, I love learning about people. I love making, I love showing you that you matter. And giving you a spotlight. And I feel like, you know, people feel comfortable talking with me. I feel like I can create that environment because I am honest and I care. And I think there's no substitute to being an honest person and a caring person and a loving person. So I think, you know, what you'll learn, Fran, is once you're on the show, you're always welcome to come back. And I, I just love building relationships and see people smile. And, you know, I love learning. I mean, uh, you're the first of the 4,000 plus guests we've had on the show at this point, you're the first, I think, uh, Dominican guest that I've had in the sport of basketball. So to me, that's just so cool to be able to share your story and have some fun with that. Hi guys. So, okay. My first question for you, it's Hispanic heritage month. What is your favorite thing about being Hispanic? the food that's that's a very good answer <laughs> so you you said rice beans and chicken before is that your go-to or do you have another dish that you'd like to share nah that's my go-to that's your go-to okay yeah. is there any type of seasoning on the chicken that you need because i can't cook i don't know what yeah well that's what i'll tell you the, in, in every Hispanic household, there's one seasoning that makes everything taste better. I put it in my guacamole. I put it in my chicken. I put it in a bunch of stuff. And that's adobo. Adobo, adobo will, will cure any bad taste and bland taste in anything. You put adobo on it and it's going to be good. I got you. What's your second question for me? How do you like Puerto Rico? It was nice. I went when I was in college. I feel like I didn't get to see like everything I wanted to see. I want to go back. But I mean, we got to go to a rainforest, which was all right. I mean, they built a path through the rainforest and I feel like the animals aren't going to come on like a man-made path. So that that was interesting uh, that like I feel like we didn't get a, a full feel of it, but I thought it was nice. I, I thought the beach was nice. I, I, what I liked, see, I, I like to collect 
um, like growing up, I would, I would like find like reptiles and amphibians and I'd, I'd build habitats for them and bring them home and, you know, like, you know, feed them and kind of watch them like grow and whatnot. And so I like that there's iguanas that are kind of just out there in Puerto Rico. And I would say, you know, if I went back, I'd want to have more of the food. I'd want to spend more time in old San Juan because I only spent like a day or like a day there. So I'd like to see more, but I do connect with a lot of people from the culture and I have really close friends that are Puerto Rican. And the one thing that I'll say, and it's funny because I said it kind of joking, kind of serious, and then they proved me right. I said, what is it about Puerto Ricans that everywhere they go, like they have flags in their pocket, like ready to go. Like there's nothing going on. And then someone goes and Puerto Rico. And then all these flags come out and it's, it's just, so I was talking to my buddy and he, he said to me at one of the football games he went to, he's like, Oh man, we forgot our flag at the hotel. And I looked at my buddy, like I just said that on the show. And then they went out to the Syracuse Purdue game because their son plays on the team, uh, Enrique Cruz. And they, they had their flags in Puerto Rico. And I said, there's something about Puerto Ricans. They always have flags like ready to go at all times. Like you could be walking down the street, total silence, and you could yell Puerto Rico and somebody would take out a flag and start waving it. So yeah, there's, there's something cool about the culture. I, I'm, I'm guessing you've been to Puerto Rico. No. Oh, you haven't I been haven't. to Puerto Rico. Okay. Cause when you asked me about how I liked it, I thought maybe you had been there. So my second question for you. Hmm. What's your favorite movie of all time? Uh, it's a movie called The Blind Side. Yeah. Yeah, I really like that movie. Why do you like it? Because it started from a football player that's an NFL player right now. That he he struggled a lot because he was homeless. And yeah. then he overcame that. He went to that with a host family. He overcame all that. Yeah, it's a great story about someone who believed in themselves and never gave up. Yeah. I like that. It's a good choice. What's your last question? Uh, how do you see yourself in 10 years or not? I would say, and this is this is an interesting question because I always am like pushing myself. So it's funny because when you say 10 years, I'm thinking about like what type of stuff am I going to do in the next you know, 10 hours that people think is impossible. So I would say, you know, I would like to have been a screenwriter for a movie. I'd like to work on a movie. Uh, I've acted, I've written, I'd like to actually be in a movie, writing a movie, doing both if I could. I would like to at least put a song out, like put some of my music out. And, you know, build my brand and my company that we become even more of a national and international name. Uh, we've been able to become a national show, which I thank God for every day. I think it's, you know, crazy that we've had people from North Dakota, California, Texas, I mean, all over the place listening or watching. So I would say I'd like to build the brand. I would uh, definitely want to do some stuff with music and movies. And, you know, I would say to just continue to grow 
with the family of really good businesses that we work with to just continue to find the right people because they, they, uh, they, they bring a lot of uniqueness to what I do. And I mean, I, I would like to maybe look at expanding in certain areas. I'd probably say that. Yeah. All right, Fran. Mm. Favorite memory so far. Favorite memory in the U.S. or where? Anywhere. That's a tough one. My favorite memory was when I graduated high school. Okay. Why was that your favorite? Because there's so many things that could have made me quit and go back to the Dominican, and I still fight it through and made it through my high school career. Yeah, it was really important. When you did that, and you fought through the adversity. What made you fight through it? What made you do it? My family and mostly my grandpa, because my grandpa was always uh, supporting me and giving me advice. What's your grandfather's name? Uh, Jose. So, Jose, you said that he was a big part of you fighting the adversity and, and getting through it. Is there any advice that he gave you that you always think about? Uh, he always told me to have fun and don't don't pay attention to what people say. Just be me. Do you feel like you're doing a good job at that so far? Yeah. Yeah. What advice would you give to somebody watching right now who's got a tough journey, going through a lot? Maybe they want to give up. What would you say? Hard times don't last. It's a good thing. Hard times. What does it say? Tough times don't last. Tough people do. Yeah. So that coming from Van, uh, from Fran here for me, uh, Valenzuela of Alfred University, the Saxons men's basketball team, and the Dominican Republic as well. Fran, it has been my pleasure having you on the show. The Alfred University Saxons will tip off their season very soon here. We look forward to seeing you out there at Alfred University, as well as on the road. Come out and support Fran and the team and come see what it's like to see tough people succeed. Fran, I appreciate your time. Had fun with you today. Your grandfather, Jose, has great advice, so keep taking it. And I look forward to getting some chicken, beans, and rice at some point, knowing that fully if we do, I'm going to have to cook because you've already made it clear that you're not cooking. <laughs> Thank you for your time today. Thank you. Take, take care. That coming once again from, from Fran Valenzuela here on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora, having some fun where sports meets life on this broadcast. And uh, I cannot thank him enough for being a part of this show here today and having a good time with us on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora in our newest edition of the Saxon Spotlight, which comes to you every second and fourth Monday at 10.30 a.m. Eastern time of each month. And the opposite, Mondays, the first and third Monday, we bring you the presidential perspective with president of Alfred University, Mark Zupan. So I want to thank Alfred University for our exclusive multimedia marketing partnership, which has already in two and a half months just paid off dividends. We're continuing to build roads in so many different places, tell incredible stories and under promise over deliver. 
you know, we promised to do two sacks and spotlights a month. And just a couple, uh, what is it? A couple weeks ago, we had 15 sacks and spotlights in one day. So, you know, under promise over deliver, we've been able to tell stories from basketball to soccer, to cross country, to track and field, to swimming and diving, to volleyball, to football and so on and so forth. And uh, I'm excited about everything we've done. We've done about a year's work in two months and we continue to work with Alfred University to put that spotlight on the Saxons and to really help you get to know who they are and what makes them different and unique in such a special way. And I feel very honored and privileged to have the opportunity we've had. We'll take a step aside for a fast break. We'll wrap up today's show from the Sunshine State right after this. Avicoli's, located on the corner of Route 57 and Wetzel Road in Liverpool, New York, has been your trusted neighbor for decades. Located just steps from Liverpool High School, we're happy to have the Liverpool Warriors on-site, on-location broadcast at Avicoli's through Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora every single month, featuring student-athletes, coaches, and administration throughout the year from Liverpool High School. Head out to Avicoli's today on the corner of Route 57 and Wetzel Road in Liverpool, New York, open Tuesday through Sunday for lunch, dinner, and drinks. We'd love to see you out there. And of course, you can call them at 315-622-5100 for takeout, delivery, and catering. That's 315-622-5100. And also find them on myavicolis.com. That's myavicolis.com. Having peace of mind when you're out of town that your furry-loving friend is safe and sound means taking them to Canine Campground because we all know that when it comes to the love of our pets, it goes well beyond the call of duty to make sure they're safe and sound. Right, Lily? So take a ride to 242 Johnson Street in East Syracuse, New York and see Canine Campground and where your dog will be staying in the classic cabin, the executive cabin, the Grand Cabin, or of course, the Luxury Cabin, because if you know Lily, you know she loves luxury. <laughs> now you don't have to wait to the last minute to find a family member or a friend that'll take your dog for a few days. Call Canine Campground at 315-299-4013. That's 315-299-4013. Their drop-off and pick-up times are Monday through Sunday. Check k 9 Campground.com for more information. That's the letter K, the number nine, and campground spelled with a K.com. K9Campground.com. When you're going out of town, bring your dog to K9 PB and J's Lunchbox, the food truck that you love finding all throughout Central and Upstate New York, now has a street side cafe. So when you're craving their traditional favorites as well as their out of box amazing menu items, you can now head to 663 Old Liverpool Road in Liverpool, New York, located just minutes from the highway, the thruway, Destiny USA, and Onondaga Lake Parkway. PB and J's Lunchbox Street Side Cafe is there for you Monday through Saturday from 9 a.m. to 7 p.m., serving breakfast, lunch, and and dinner all throughout the day. Get breakfast for dinner, dinner for lunch, whatever you fancy, including their award-winning grilled peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Find them at 663 Old Liverpool Road in Liverpool, New York. 
PB&J's Lunchbox, where we love to know what's in your lunchbox. This is a special message from 317 at Montgomery restaurant owner Joel Carpenter. Open Tuesday through Saturday for your dining pleasure on 317 Montgomery Street in Syracuse, New York. We wanted to be a part of the resurgence of Syracuse. We saw uh, a lot of money being put into bringing people back downtown and thought that, you know, we'd like to be a part of that. I love putting together a good dish where people see it first, they fall in love with it, and then it tastes just as good as it looks. We want to provide the best food in Syracuse that we possibly can, and we want you to leave here talking to your family, your friends about what you had to eat first and foremost, but also our service and to walk out feeling like you're part of our family. I work out in the front of the house a lot, and I love walking to every single table, asking them how everything is, and people looking at me and smiling and saying, this is the most amazing short rib I've ever had. This is the most amazing filet I've ever had. And Donna is great. Sarah's amazing. Thank you for coming over and talking to us. And then them just being truly happy for the experience that they've gotten. 317 at Montgomery Restaurant, part of the fabric of downtown Syracuse, located on 317 Montgomery Street in Syracuse, New York, open Tuesday through Saturday for a unique and memorable dining experience. Welcome back here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora. We appreciate you being here every Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time. Coming to you today from the Sunshine State, our second home. And so we brought the studios on the road as we do when we are here. I want to thank Central and Upstate New York, my home. I want to thank my second home in the great state of Florida. I want to thank the East Coast, the Midwest, the West Coast, and all around the world. For those of you that watch and listen to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora, You have helped us to become a local, regional, national, and international name and broadcast. I have met so many incredible people from this. We built amazing partnerships. And, you know, if life has taught me anything, it's that God is great. Appreciate your blessings. Be happy every day you wake up in the morning. Chase your dreams. Be a big kid. And uh, and like like Jose, uh, Fran's grandfather said, you know, to just go out there and be who you are and, and to not care what anybody else thinks. That's the truth. Here on Wake Up Call, we're with you every Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time on YouTube.com and Facebook.com, both backslash Wake Up Call DT. And we're also on Wake Up Call DT.podbean.com around the world. Once the shows go live, you can check us out on Amazon Music, Audible, iHeartRadio, iTunes, and Apple Podcasts, Player FM, Podbean, Podchaser, Podvine, Spotify, TuneIn, and YouTube. All you have to do is search Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora or one word, Wake Up Call DT. And a big thanks to our incredible partners, Carvel DeWitt, The Wildcat Sports Pub, GG Cards and Breaks, Chick-fil-A Cicero and Chick-fil-A Clay, Mon Paz, Kettle Corn and Popcorn Factory, Canine Camp Dog Daycare, 317 at Montgomery Street. The name of the restaurant is the name of the location. The Taste of Mexico Burger is going on right now during Hispanic Heritage Month. Make sure you get out to 317 at Montgomery Street Tuesday through Saturday to try that burger. Avicoli's, as well as Great Lakes Honda City, PB&J's Lunchbox, Pizza Man, 
canine campground dog boarding and mother's cupboard. We have are, are of course the exclusive multimedia marketing partner of your Lemoyne College Dolphins. It's fins up every single month on Wake Up Call. Wednesdays are dolphin time. And every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Eastern time, you'll have the Dolphins. First and third Wednesday with AD and DT featuring Athletics Director Bob Beretta and myself, Dan Tortora, with pertinent topics to the Times. And every second and fourth Wednesday, the Dolphin Dive. Diving into the stories of student-athletes, coaches, administration, future Dolphins, and alumni. It's under-promise, over-deliver, as we've given you way more than our just weekly AD and DT Dolphin Dive series throughout each month. And we're proud to bring you these incredible stories as we are in year three of our exclusive multimedia marketing partnership with the Dolphins. Time travels fast when you get to be in a Finn family where nobody swims alone. Very excited about everything coming up, including this weekend on Saturday, September 23rd, where I will be the MC of the Gold Wave Hall of Fame induction for the 2023 Hall of Fame inductees at Lemoyne, and I cannot wait to be there at the event starting at 10 a.m. this Saturday, September 23rd. I hope you can come over to the Heights and support the inductees, support me, and support Lemoyne College. For more information, go to lemoynedolphins.com. For all of our content, go to youtube.com backslash wakeupcalldt and click subscribe. And as always, fins up. The Brian and Stratton College Bobcats of Syracuse are exclusive multimedia marketing partners with Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora. You just got to see the penalty kick that I took from being at their home opener. Well, I didn't take the penalty kick. I took the video of it. The penalty kick uh, was not taken by me, but uh, definitely uh, it went through the goal, which is incredible. They got a victory 3-0 in their home opener, the only home game that they played thus far for the Brian and Stratton College of Syracuse Bobcats men's soccer team. So make sure you go back and watch that penalty kick as well as my one-on-one exclusive conversation with their head coach and athletics director at Brian and Stratton College of Syracuse, Nick Dmitrievsky. All of that is on youtube.com backslash wakeupcalldt. The Bobcats join us with the Bobcat buzz every single month on Wake Up Call. And for all that content, like I said, go to youtube.com backslash wakeupcalldt, click subscribe. For more information on your Bobcats, go to Syracuse.bscbobcats.com. And as always, go Bobcats. The Alfred University Saxons are exclusive multimedia marketing partners with Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora. In less than three months' time, we've made a lot of history with Alfred University and the Saxons under-promising and over-delivering on our conversations with so many representatives of their fantastic university. The Monday at 10.30 a.m. slot on Wake Up Call is exclusively Saxon time. And on the first and third Monday of each month, you have the presidential perspective with President Mark Zupan and myself, Dan Tortora. And every second and fourth Monday, the Saxon Spotlight, like today, where we get to feature inside of the Saxon Spotlight, our wonderful conversations with student athletes, coaches, administration, and alumni. Great things coming up in the Saxon Spotlight, as well as presidential perspective. You can get all the content by going to youtube.com backslash wakeupcalldt and clicking subscribe. For more information, go to gosaxons.com. 
And as the website tells you, go Saxons. Here on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora, I want to thank you for being a part of the show today. I want to thank Murph for our DT and Murphy segment that happens every Monday to start off the week on Wake Up Call. I want to thank Papa Joe for being a special surprise guest today. And of course, I want to thank for the first time ever joining the show, Fran Valenzuela of the Alfred University Saxons men's basketball team and hailing from the Dominican Republic. Make sure that you go back and watch this video and share this video so people can hear Fran's story as well as get talk on Major League Baseball's wild card race, the NFL, the Jets, the Jaguars, and Deion Sanders as we got to all of those, including the Shohei Otani sweepstakes with Brendan Murphy this morning. So for Brendan, for Fran, for Papa Joe, and for myself, I bid you adieu. Find us 24-7 on Facebook at Wake Up Call DT, X at Call DT, and Instagram at wakeupcall underscore DT. And as always, God bless, no stress, do your best. We'll talk soon.